As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. We are live with our playoff packages. Warren's lifetime NFL playoffs record is 147-88 for a 63% winning percentage, while Super Bowl pick sits at 25-10 for a 71% winning percentage. Better yet, computer totals this year are an unbelievable 23-4 for an 82% winning percentage, and bowl game recommendations are currently undefeated. Get on board now for the most profitable stretch of the season. Use code 75OFF playoffs for $75 off playoff packages at sharpfootballanalysis.com. What is going on, Sharp Football Fantasy family? It is the resident Swami of Konami, Rich Rebarn. We have made it. It is week 17, championship week, typically the final fantasy week for a number of people. There are some people that still play week 18. Uh, they're savages. We t- we like to save that week for DFS. Uh, but I hope hopefully all you guys made your fantasy finals, and we'll wish you guys good luck here as we ring in the new year. Uh, but to get you there and to cover all the topics of Week 17 that are a little more hot button on uh, some pressing issues that maybe because you got to set your lineups Week 17, there are moves to be made. Uh, I'm bringing in Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus. Andrew, what is up, brother? What's up, Rich? I'm happy to be here. Happy you came on coming on. Um, after Ian Harditz, of course, got to, you know, fill in the big shoes left by the big man at PFS. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to, uh, try to do a better job than Ian will. Yeah. And you know, I don't use the video for this podcast. We only use the audio, but I can already say you're, you're a step above Ian who, uh, was visiting his family and was basically recording in some pantry, uh, of some <laughs> sorts last week. Uh, so hopefully Ian's back at home and he has a little more space, but, uh, he crushed it though. He did a great job. Uh, week 17, uh, are you cooking in any fantasy finals yourself? Yeah, no, I am. I am in the finals and a couple, surprisingly, they're actually all two quarterback leagues. I'm not sure if I just had a knack for the two quarterback league, you know, in 2021, if that's just kind of how I was able to approach it, but those are the leagues I'm left in. And I have a, a lot of Trey Lance. So when Kyle Shannon Ooh. comes out and says, yeah, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, all this Jimmy Garoppolo stuff is, has got me, uh, I, I got a beat of sweat going down me being like, right. Like. <laughs> Let's come on. Like, let's just let Trey Lance play. Come on. Like, this is what we all want to have happen. It's the fantasy football playoffs. I held him in one league for 16 weeks in a two quarterback league. I drafted him in the sixth round, mm-hmm. which obviously was a terrible pick. Now, in hindsight, when you look at the whole season as it's played out, but you know, I, I, I thought about dropping him like multiple times. Like I missed out on waiver wire guys. I was like, no, I got to hold on to Lance. And I almost dropped him for a Thursday night last week thinking, all right, he, he's not going to play. Like what's going to happen. And then I was like, you know, if Jimmy G gets hurt in this game, I will not be able to live with myself. I couldn't have just held on for one more week. So I held on and hopefully we get to see Trey Lance play. Yeah. Imagine if your opponent would have grabbed him too. And <laughs> that scenario would have been so tilting. Uh, we're going to definitely talk about, about Trey Lance uh, on this podcast. My home auction league has been going on for 16 years. We're switching to two quarterbacks next year. And I drafted Trey Lance and he's eaten a roster spot the whole year. I'm in the finals too, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to starting in my deck, but uh uh, I've held him the whole year just to be able to keep him next year. Just the, the whole entire year. Like, I just want to be able to keep him as a two-quarterback guy. Uh, so we'll definitely talk Trey Lance when we get there. Uh, but first, I always like to ask, you know, kind of the guests uh, that come on, just kind of a little bit of their background about themselves, how you got into the space. And because everyone always wants to hear everyone's journey. Like, how do you get to write about fantasy football for a living? Yeah, it was a, a long journey for me. <laughs> you know, after I graduated from college, I think it was like four or five years ago, I, you know, started like a WordPress blog writing about, you know, fantasy because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was substitute teaching. So I would actually write, you know, while the kids were like doing stuff, they're doing some work. I would actually like write like my own like start sit column and just on my own personal WordPress, I'd post it on my my Facebook page. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of be in it and just kind of get experience doing it. And eventually I was able to like latch on to gridironexperts.com. So it was kind of like a, a platform where I was able to, you know, write articles, you know, kind of for the first time. So continue to do that. And as I just continued to like fall in love with or fall more in love with just fantasy and doing the analysis behind it all, I really wanted to pursue it as a career. And I saw people, you know, working full time. I would always ask them, you know, how do you do this? How do you do this? And it's just like, you need to continue to just, you know, get better at the process and continue to create content. So I was just doing everything I could, you know, I would go to work, work a full-time job in a marketing agency, and then immediately come home and, you know, write articles or do videos or do podcasts or do whatever I could to just try to get as much content out as possible and just try to get better at fantasy analysis. And then what ultimately kind of put me over the top was networking. 
And it seems like pretty cliche to talk about it that, you know, how do you get a job? Oh, you network. It's how it's who, you know, not exactly what, you know, and, but that's exactly what happened. You know, I started going to these conferences that the fantasy football industry puts on, you know, over the past several years, obviously it's changed a little bit with COVID, but before COVID, I was going to as many of these as humanly possible because I, I wanted to meet people in real life that worked in the fantasy space and put a name to my Twitter profile, to my articles, to my videos, to my podcasts. And I was just, I was relentless in that approach. You know, I would take trains, planes, like automobiles, whatever, <laughs> to get to where these meetings and conferences were, you know, I would pay out of pocket, you know, I'd go to Las Vegas just so I could get the chance to meet, you know, anyone that worked in this space so I could get an opportunity to just kind of pick their brain. And eventually I ended up meeting Jeff Ratcliffe at a Buffalo Wild Wings in Canton, Ohio. And, you know, I had worked at PFF part-time doing data analysis. So again, just like kind of getting my foot in the door in PFF, not doing anything fantasy related, just doing, I remember staying up very late one night, you know, recording and charting a Hawaii game, you know, at like one o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. And I was like, what am I, this sucks. Like, and I just kept telling myself, you know, you got to keep doing this, keep continuing to grind. And the people at PFF respect that, you know, they respect the people that do the dirty work to kind of get up and to rise in the company. So um, it definitely isn't the path everybody takes, but a lot of you ask a lot of people at PFF, they actually will say they, they worked in data collection at some point, you know, when they started there early on. So I got an in that way. I got to meet Jeff Ratcliffe, who's now obviously with FTN, but he was obviously at PFF for a very long time. And he was the one that really recommended me. You know, he was very high on me to bring me into the team full time um, of June of 2020. So yeah, that's where I've been ever since at PFF working full time. And it's a dream come true. And, and whenever people ask me, you know, how do I get space? I, I usually just say to network and, and to go to these conferences and meet as many people as you can, because until you do that, you're really just kind of like another Twitter Abby or another face or another article, like what makes you stand out? And it can be tough to come up with a unique idea. You know, there's a lot that you can do with fantasy. So unless you are able to come up with something super, super niche, that's just so unique and different and better than everything else, then you need to, your personality needs to shine through. And I think it shines through best when you're actually in person. So obviously it's a little bit complicated now with the ongoing state of where we are as a country, but if you get the opportunity, like you have to go to these conferences to, you know, network and to really get your foot in the door. I love that. And yeah, we're all in the same boat too. Remember if you're going to one of these conferences, uh, don't be scared to approach anyone. We're, we're all there for the same reason, uh, you know, not, not to network. I mean, we're there because we have a passion for fantasy football and football in general. So we already have common ground to, to get your way into a conversation with someone. Uh, you and I kind of, we passed each other in Canton, but we like, every time I looked over at you, you were talking to the group people and I think vice versa. <laughs> and we didn't get a chance to hook up and we did a podcast earlier this season finally for the first time but uh i definitely wanted to reach out and get you on i always ask everyone too, just kind of do you have any top-down thoughts on this nfl season you can take it in any direction you want from fantasy or just real life if you're enjoying the season or did you learn a lesson from this season uh just some top-down kind of view of the 2021 football season man yeah it's been it's been a wild ride you know first off i do think that ultimately you know i did pretty well in the majority of the fantasy leagues that i played and and whenever i do well i feel like that reflects well on you know the people that subscribe to pff my mm-hmm. followers you know if i do well cuz i'm you know the the advice i'm giving is what i'm doing in my own league so mm-hmm. if, if i'm doing well then the chances are the people that are following me are doing you know okay in their leagues as well so i was, I was proud about that obviously you know i had my fair share of misses i definitely wasn't you know high enough on on cooper cup and I think one of the reasons or takeaways with him is that when you have these, some of these receivers where, you know, it's kind of like a coin flip, you know, Oh, it's Cooper cup or Robert Woods. Like, I don't really think a lot of people were, at least I was, I wasn't really torn either way. I was like, Oh, like, I think both of them have more upside now with Matthew Stafford. You can get rid of Jared Goff who just doesn't throw the ball into the end zone. Uh, you got Matthew Stafford coming in who throws the ball in the end zone a boatload of times. And, you know, it just never clicked with me that, you know, well, what if one of them emerges as Stafford's favorite target, you know, Projections are helpful, but they're also limiting because you have to give X player this amount of targets and X player this amount of targets when in reality, like it doesn't necessarily need to play out that way. So thinking more of a, a range of outcomes, I think is something I should have done a little bit more. And, and then what happens if there's an injury? What happens if there's no injuries? You know, in Denver, like there's a lot of talent there, but they're all active all the time and none of them can be played because they're all active in that offense. So I think that's something that I was kind of looking at. And I also think that during this COVID season, I think that we've, People, I think the grinders have really prevailed. Like if you've just been up to date, paying attention, 
you know, one of my teams that I had gone, you know, zero RB in, you know, my team is in the finals because I have guys like Justin Jackson, like Sony Michelle, like Jeff Wilson, just because I'm paying attention and I'm just picking up the, the right running backs at the right time. I'm stashing the running backs at the right time. You know, I picked up Sony Michelle off the waiver wire because somebody dropped him because they were sick of holding on to him when it's like guys like Daryl Henderson is so fragile. Like, like we've seen such a large sample size of him just like not being able to sustain a workload. He had one touch last week and he got hurt on it. There's Sony Michelle's out here touting the ball 28 times. Henderson gets one carry, gets hurt like right away. So I think that there's still an edge to just being, you know, proactive with your league and you don't necessarily need to draft an elite team. Um, there's so many things that you can change and think that you can do to get an edge. And I think that especially in this year where there's backups, you know, being placed into starting roles so frequently because of COVID, if you're just paying attention and you just kind of understand how depth charts work, that's why it's important to just understand, you know, every team, you know, from top to bottom, I think that gave you an edge um, in your league this year. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's been such a unique year where we've really only had two kind of, you know, wire to wire Gibraltars and Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. And it's been pretty open. Like guys have had good seasons, but it's been more like separate pockets of the season where they've hit. And if you're on top of roster management, it still gives you an advantage over those. Uh, it one it gives you advantage if you don't have either of those two players. And then, it, you know, it, it gives you an advantage even against those teams because those teams are coasting on, you know, basically those two guys. And if they have basically taken those guys as a luxury and say, well, I've got Jonathan Taylor, I'm going to ease up on my roster management. It allows you an inroad uh, to kind of take advantage for Jonathan Taylor has the 108 yards, not a touchdown like last week. Uh, so hopefully it's, hopefully it's enough people survived that last week. With, you, you had a touchdown 11 straight games. You can't complain uh, that you didn't get one. Um, but like I said, when we let off the show, this is week 17. It's championship week. We understand most of the teams that are here and they're playing for championships have good cores. You've got good players, but it doesn't mean that there's smart decisions to be made this week, especially on those rosters. I even have a couple. We'll talk, touch on some when we get through some of these questions here. Um, but uh, you write an article for a pro football focus that you can find every week. It's a buy low article that basically touches on, you know, player usage from the previous week and the previous month as well. Uh, so do you have any kind of standout notes from your article? Don't spill the whole beans. We want to drive people to it here and go check out the rest of the article. Do you have any kind of favorite notes from week 16 that we can apply to this week uh, that you like a lot? Yeah, I think that one of the things that I noticed when writing that article was, you know, just first of all, how bad Matthew Stafford was last week, just, you know, all over the place from an accuracy standpoint. And you saw both Odell Beckham Jr. and Ben Jefferson kind of really suffer the most from it. Now, Beckham did catch a touchdown like he's basically done, you know, in the last couple of weeks. So he has, he's actually tied with Cooper Cup, with six end zone targets over the last four weeks. He was converted three into touchdowns. So, I mean, Sean McVay clearly is honing in on getting OBJ the ball in the end zone. So again, it's Cooper cup pretty much 24, seven, 365 <laughs> on every other play, <laughs> but in the red zone, particularly they are forcing the ball to OBJ and he's coming down with more or not, or most of the targets that Matthew Stafford is forcing Tim and Van Jefferson, unfortunately is not getting as much love in the end zone. And, you know, last week he had six targets, but only one was deemed catchable. Um, so he, and he had a team, I 119 air yards. So, Again, these are things that I'm looking for in spots for players to bounce back from. So Van Jefferson, again, I mean, he's running around 100% of Matthew Stafford's mm -hmm. dropbacks. Like he's on the field every single play with Matthew Stafford. Like you want guys that are seeing downfield targets that are running routes on every single play, especially when they're facing the Baltimore Ravens secondary, you know, that just got absolutely decimated last week. And I know that they're getting a couple of their guys back, but you know, throughout this whole season, even when Marlon Humphrey was healthy, you know, the Ravens, we're dead last in explosive pass play rate allowed. Like they've been giving up big plays since week one against the Raiders. <laughs> so it's been, you know, a defense that you've been able to attack with long plays. And Van Jefferson has really been more or less that guy for the Rams all year long, even before OBJ kind of arrived um, mid season. So I think that he's like a strong candidate to bounce back. And I think that if you're looking for a flex play this week, I know it's hard to go back to Van Jefferson after he got, you know, one point last week, but I do think this is a spot to go back to him just based on his usage um, in week 16. Well, I like that one too. I think a lot of people too are going to be trying to find unique ways to stack that game in DFS too, especially Cooper Cup being so expensive this week. So for, to run your doubles back and obviously people are going to chase those Odell touchdowns, but Van's, Van has been like the deep ball guy all year. So if you can connect on one of those, I mean, you're already, you can get there one target, just one of those uh, can get you there. Uh, so I like those. Definitely go check out the rest of that article. It's very in-depth and detail. 
uh, covers a lot of positions, end zone targets, air yards, all that good stuff. Uh, one of the things that's very fun, I think, uh, when you get to fantasy championship games, and I'm someone that, you know, played Denard Robinson at fantasy ch- championship game and Tim Hightower. And we, you had, cause it's a one-off game and you look at this week, how it sets up and I'm doing my running back rankings and we've got fantasy titles kind of out there ready to be won by guys like Rashad Penny and Daryl Williams, Ronald Jones, Sony, Michelle, Boston, Scott, even Devin Singletary. Uh, so let's touch on some of these guys. Do you have a favorite out of that kind of group of guys or do you have a one to pull out of the, the depths I didn't even mention? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised you meant you mentioned Derry Ungabuale. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about him a little bit later. But I think the guy that stuck out to me the most is is Daryl Williams. Again, so Clyde Edwards-Helaire, you know, he's been listed week to week. They haven't ruled him out yet, but you know, the week to week label usually means that he's not going to play. So I don't I don't expect him to suit up here. But you know, we've seen him already in this role. You know, as the lead back with Clyde Edwards-Helaire you know, not playing. And even when Daryl Williams has been sharing the backfield with CEH, you know, he's been the preferred pass catching back. You know, he's running around on 45% of pass plays, which ranks 12th among running backs this season. And that number jumps up to 56% in the six games that he played without CEH. And that's like top five usage when it comes to a running back running a route um, per dropback from the quarterback. So, and over that stretch of games, that six game stretch, he led all running backs and receptions, ranked 14th in expected fantasy points per game. So, I feel really confident about Daryl Williams if CH is not available in this matchup, probably more so than a couple of these other guys that you had mentioned. I mean, he's facing the Bengals, ranked bottom five in targets, receptions, and yards allowed to running backs this season. So it's really a good spot for Daryl Williams. And I get, I don't know why you know, Derek Gore always gets like steamed up every time because, you know, the guy comes in in garbage time, he like always scores a touchdown. And then there was that one drive on Monday night football where he just like looked really good and got all the carries. And then he just didn't play in the second half. And then he was at the top of everyone's waiver wire article the next week. And I'm just like pulling my hair out. I'm like guys, like he's like still clearly behind Daryl Williams. And even, you know, I'm looking at like the fantasy pros, like ECR and Derek Gore is like up there, like RB 35. And I'm just like, <laughs> Like, why? Like, he's like, not even in my rank. He's like, oh, I guess I'll add him in, like put him in the top 50 uh, with CEH not playing. But I think it's so, so clear that they trust Daryl, you know, in every situation, especially in the passing game. And, and that's really, that's where the value is with PPR scoring, which is where the most of our, you know, leagues are now formatted. Like you saw, you know, Josh Jacobs last week, for example, he rushed for like a career high or a season high, 127 rushing yards. He scored 12 fantasy points because he had no catches or he had one catch for negative four yards. So it's just the, the pass game role is so crucial. And, you know, that's not necessarily true with some of those other guys you mentioned, mm-hmm. like a Ronald Jones, like a Rashad Penny. Like if those guys, if those teams fall behind, like in weird things happen in football, it's a weird ball, weird shape ball and weird things happen. Like those guys can just be totally game scripted out. And you're like, they got zero points. Whereas Daryl Williams, whether the chiefs get up on the Bengals, whether the Bengals get up on the chiefs, like I'm confident that, he's going to be involved some way that's going to get you fantasy points. Yeah. I love that angle. Cause you know, you got the out as a, as him as a favorite, you've got the, the game script. He's not sensitive at all. I and mean, then he's got the matchup. If they do want to attack the Bengals to the air, that's the way you put those linebackers in space. So I definitely love that. I mean, can you, can you see any of these guys? It sounds like you had some trepidation on the non-pass catchers. I mean, who out of these guys you think is on the most fragile ground that could be the guy that we'd be like, Oh man, that guy let us down. Uh, <laughs> Lucy with the football uh with on us and so like i mean ronald jones like it just seems like he's he's set up so well to go get, get against the jets like they're the worst team against running backs but it seems like whenever like anything can go wrong for ronald jones it does like you know last week like Keyshawn vaughn rips off this massive run he's getting coach speak from you know bruce arians which again i mean if bruce arians came out and said Keyshawn vaughn's the starter i would immediately move rojo up in my rankings because i've i've heard bruce arians say so many things about his running backs he did say it was going to be a breakout year for Keyshawn vaughn so you know very very early in the summer so it just only took 16 weeks for it to come to fruition but you know, Rojo, again, he's just not super involved in the passing game. I know he had three targets last week, but, you know, he still wasn't running the majority of routes. And I just, you know, he has to find the end zone. Like, he has to score. If he didn't score last week, like, he would have probably been, like, more or less a bust. You know, he had, like, 60 rushing yards. So, wasn't pleased about that. But, I mean, it's the matchup is still – I mean, Duke Johnson was able to just do whatever he wanted yeah. to do against the Jets. So, <laughs> I think that, for the most part, I think Rojo will end up being safe. Penny, I think, is a little bit more interesting because the Detroit Lions defense – Better than the Jets in terms against the run. Not great still, but the Seahawks offense is definitely not 
in the same stratosphere as Tampa Bay's, even from like a running game perspective, you know, it's an offense that's been super fringy, super slow. They don't try to push the pace. And I don't think the Lions are going to be necessarily pressing them to kind of go pedal to the metal. And Penny has been, you know, running hotter than Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, from the sun, basically, <laughs> you know, first in PFF rushing grade, yards after contact per attempt, fantasy points scored above expectation, you know, since week 14. And again, like those are just all, unsustainable numbers for those. He's averaging 7.1 yards per carry. Like how long is that going to happen? <laughs> again, it's just like, it's Rashad Penny. We're talking about now. He's obviously he, cause he's getting there on a lot of these really massive big runs. And of course that is in play against the Detroit lions, but the concern is one target per game, mm-hmm. 9.8 expected fantasy points per game, which ranks 38th among all running backs since week 14. So the usage is not good for Rashad Penny. Like he is getting there off really big plays and he's not even really working as a true workhorse DJ Dallas comes in on passing down. So there are a lot of ways where Rashad Penny fought like falters, you know, Russell Wilson gets sacked, sack fumble. They're down 14, nothing. And you're like, where's Rashad Penny? Oh, he sucked in the championship. Like I could see that potentially happening. Yeah. He's the one guy I think out of all those guys, other than Ronald Jones too, that, yeah, it's a thing of coming off the field. I think you can poke holes like Sony Michelle, the same way the matchup's not good. He doesn't catch the football. That's like kind of the way if you're going to get anything on the Ravens without falling into the end zone, but he's not, he's also just not going to come off the field. I mean, I think if, even if Cam Akers dresses, they're not going to really like throw him out there for like a ton of snaps. Um, but the other guys just don't really come off the field. And one guy I was going to ask you about too, to touch on that's kind of surging. And as a rookie, he had this usage at the end of his rookie season and everyone is excited to draft him in the off season. And then kind of cooled and the season started because they drafted Zach Moss and people loved him. He was a kind of like a darling. I know he's a PFF guy. He takes out broken tackle stuff. He like, he was really good, but Devin Singletary now has kind of really kind of claimed this Buffalo backfield and they're huge favorites at home. Uh, how much are you trusting Devin Singletary this week? Yeah, I, I do like De- Devin Singletary a lot this week. And the big, I mean, we took big steps forward last week, you know, Zach Moss was active. So it was like, Oh no, like, What's going to happen with Devin Singletary? Because we saw his usage really bump up when Zach Moss was inactive. Like, it seemed like mm-hmm. that was like the litmus test. It was like, all right, you know, that's the signal you can use Devin Singletary. Zach Moss is inactive. So when we got the report that he was going to play against the Patriots, I'm like, oh, no, like, do I need to move Singletary down in my rankings? Like, what are we doing here? But, you know, it still was the Devin Singletary show, even against the England Patriots. Moss worked in a little bit. But, you know, over the last three weeks, it's been 50 touches for Devin Singletary, four for Matt Breida, four for Zach Moss. So, you know, 86% of the touches in the running back field for Devin Singletary. I just think that he really is in a good spot. And if they get up big on the Falcons, they at least showed a little bit more willingness to run the football. You know, when they do have a lead, they're still throwing, you know, a ton, even when they have the lead, even more so than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at points. So I do think though that again, Singletary, they're up in Buffalo. I mean, the Falcons could show up on a road game. It's it's cold out. It's freezing. They may just like pack it in by second half. And you could see Devin Singletary, you know, get some carries in the second half um, as try to run out clock. So yeah, I think Singletary has shown enough over the last three weeks that he is a trustworthy asset. And for some reason they do, it, you know, and he's, his passing game comes in ebbs and flows. Like sometimes he does get targeted a lot and other times he doesn't. So at least he has shown some type of pass catching ceiling, which is always, you know, something that we want to, aim for in fantasy uh i'm gonna throw a couple names out here and you tell me if you're gonna start any of the guys we mentioned over some of these guys they either have kind of let down or just kind of are trudging their way kind of to the finish line here are you are you gonna bench alvin kamara for any of those guys no all right how about aaron jones no all right so you're 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 way up there how about ezekiel elliott yeah, I will bench some. I like Daryl Williams more than Ezekiel Elliott. I like Sony Michelle more than Ezekiel. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, I'm just like, he's got his more touchdown. He's not explosive. I've had him kind of in my like 15 range, you know, over the last, well, basically since like, I just kind of accepted the fact that he wasn't, you know, efficient running back anymore when I kind of came to that conclusion. It's like, <laughs> even when Tony Pollard missed a game, you know, people you know, were obsessed with playing Zeke and, in DFS that week. And I was like, guys, like this mm-hmm. changes literally nothing. <laughs> like he's like, he's still right. like, like the, the issue wasn't him not getting enough work. Like he's been getting plenty of volume. It's just that he's not super efficient as touches and he gets involved in the past game enough. So he's fine. But I, I think Daryl Williams is better. Shell, I think has an even better role than Zeke does in his offense. Nice. I like that. All right. Let's get into the 49ers thing. Uh, basically it, it seems like a lot of gamesmanship. Uh, everything I've seen, 
on Twitter from anyone that's like knowledgeable related to injuries that I trust believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing today. And, you know, we saw him on Wednesday, we're recording this on Thursday, Wednesday, he tried to go out and practice and couldn't. Uh, so keep up on this, but it seems like it's more gamesmanship by Kyle Shannon at this point to try to throw people off that maybe Jimmy could play. Maybe they're trying to get, you know, the Texans of all teams to prepare, uh, you know, for, for multiple quarterbacks. Uh, but if Trey Lance starts and, you know, we won't go crazy here just in case that by the 11th hour, Jimmy does miraculously play here, but what are your expectations for one Trey Lance uh, for fantasy? And we'll talk about some names that maybe I would ask some starts since on him. And kind of just the offense, how does he impact the 49ers offense as a whole, as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo this week, uh, if Lance plays? Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm pretty confident in, in starting Trey Lance. I, I have him ranked as my QB 10 this week, assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo is out. Again, I'm sure Richie probably hit on this earlier in the week as, as the, the king of Konami himself. Again, the rushing is there for Trey Lance. You know, rushed for 89 yards in week five, he scored 16 fantasy points despite zero touchdowns like he didn't accumulate for any mm-hmm. touchdowns and he's still able to be finished as like a a top 15 quarterback on the week it just shows the value of the quarterbacks with their legs you know looking at this year fantasy points per drop back Taysom Hill is number one Trey Lance is number two you know again it's a smaller sample size but it's just kind of showing the how effective you know the rushing quarterbacks are so I I feel confident in starting him again the Texans have been the worst team in terms of rushing yards allowed per game now obviously a lot of that comes from running back production but that's they that's how they've been attacked and Lance adds another layer to this you know one of the most effective running attacks in the NFL they get Elijah Mitchell back I just don't see the Texans defense being able to stop this rushing attack with Trey Lance with Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson so I just think that they're going to be very productive that way and then when it comes from the receivers now it seems like this happens with the 49ers every single week where we get you know, one or two mm-hmm. of them like getting productive games and someone always gets left out. Like it's always like one guy. Now, last week was George Kittle. You know, a couple of weeks ago was Brandon Ayuk. You know, Debo has really been the one that's been the most steady component. And even his role has really changed a lot. And he's really the best one. He was like playing running back and the other guys were playing like receiver. We was like, okay, like this can work for everybody. But in that game, you know, Jeff Wilson didn't fire. So there's always, it's always a crowded offense, especially one that just doesn't throw that often and there's definitely concern that okay if Trey Lance is now taking over you know how are the pass catchers going to get fed you know George Kittle didn't play in that first game he was inactive for an injury and you know Ayuk didn't really have a great game but he was still like in the doghouse partially for that so you you can't necessarily look at that and be like oh he's going to just totally bust um Debo had a you know okay game you know nothing special so I do think you have to temper expectations maybe a little bit when it comes to the pass catchers and just kind of know that, Hey, you know, one of these guys probably isn't going to get there if they are running a very run heavy approach, especially with the Texans, you know, team that doesn't necessarily going to need to push them to continue to keep scoring. It's like, they just want Trey Lance to play well. Like I think that's what ultimately what their goal wants to be and obviously win the game. So um, I would not surprise me at all to see, you know, Debo probably Ayuk is probably the fringiest one just because he's been kind of fringy for the most part. I mean, Thursday night, just to see like Juwan Jennings like continue to get targets when I have like Brandon Ayuk in my starting lineup. I'm just like, oh, like when he caught the touchdown, I'm like, oh my God, thank God he caught the touchdown because he would have just been total dust if he had not scored. So yeah, Ayuk is definitely someone I would probably have to kind of take a long, hard look at and be like, mm, I'm not so sure I have faith in him. Debo, they just find ways to get the ball. And obviously, tight end is, you know, tight end is tight end. So you're not going to touch George Kittle out of your lineup. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing you can do if you have Debo or George Kittle, like, and you got to this point, like, I mean, you're not going to sit either of those guys. You could be like the one when Lance played in that week five matchup. We're going to see how much he's grown, too. Uh, he was 32nd in the NFL on completion rate under expectation that week. But like you said, no Kittle. Ayuk was still, like, kind of getting his playing time, like, kind of jerked around a little bit. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, if you have Ayuk, uh, you know, are you considering maybe playing like a Marcus Valdez Scantling over him? I don't think I would go that far as to playing like an MVS over him. I mean, MVS is what about KJ so, Osborne, like, a guy that's like a probably maybe got thrown back on waivers after Thielen came back. Yeah, I think that KJ Osborne. I mean, he's been pretty consistent. You know, he's the wide receiver twenty six over the last four weeks with Thielen basically out of commission. Now, again, like Kirk Cousins playing on the road on Lambeau Field on Sunday Night Football just, like, doesn't, you know, <laughs> rub me the right way. Just, like, explaining that situation with Kirk Cousins, just like, yeah. oh, like, this cannot end well. But, yeah, I mean, the production's been there. I mean, and, and the thing with Ayuk is even with Garoppolo, Ayuk has been just really, really up and down. 
Um, you know, the routes have obviously improved significantly, but he still is kind of, I guess, even like the fourth option when you include the running game as an option of this offense, you know, Kittle gets more targets than he does. Debo obviously gets more featured looks. So I, you, I probably actually have to move down probably more in my rankings as we kind of just like talk this through. Yeah. And let's, let's look at the, the Lance conundrum here. Like, so we won't go crazy in case, just in case Garoppolo does somehow end up starting it all. I, like, I think we all pretty much agree. It's probably not going to happen, but uh, you already said you hit, you had Lance at 10. So I've already got a bunch of Lance questions this week already. Uh, how about the player that most resembles Trey Lance or fantasy football, Trey Lance or Jalen hurts this week. I'm still going to go with Jalen hurts. I just think that, yeah, like you're, you're hoping for the exact same production, mm-hmm. you know, from both guys, but I mean, look guys, like I know that hurts. It doesn't always pretty, but I mean, what, what else does he have to do? Like he's, he's like been a quarterback one, you know, in more weeks than not, he's playing the football team that a defense just looks totally, you know, checked out, you know, they're on to 2020 or whatever the next year is. I just, yeah, I, I have faith that Hurts is going to be able to get it done. He got it done the last time they played the football team, and he was still like a top 13 quarterback last week, even though he wasn't really that effective. He only rushed for like seven yards last week. He was like his lowest rushing yards of the season. So I don't think that's going to necessarily stick. I don't think that's an indication that, oh, well, Hurts is going to stop running altogether. I don't necessarily think that we can take away from that. He's been running all year, and I don't think it stops. How about uh, Joe Burrow, who's just coming off this 525-yard passing game, but previously had really kind of a, a down stretch for fantasy. If you've got, and we're going to assume four point passing touchdowns here for this. Yeah. For me, I'm, I'm going with Lance. Like I, I get like, it seems that it's like crazy. Oh, like how can you bench burrow after he threw for 500 yards? It's like, yeah, because he was playing like a JV team in the secondary. Like you have to put context behind, you know, some of these performances, like Burrow was like the play last week. Like you mm-hmm. should have been all over Joe Burrow last week, but you know, a matchup against the Kansas city chiefs is not the same thing. Like the chiefs defense is legit. Good. I, I don't see why you necessarily feel the need that you all have to start Burrow when Burrow has been a super volatile quarterback all year long. You know, he's thrown for 300 plus yards and, three of his last six games and he's thrown for under 200 in the other three games. So it's been really up and down production for Joe Burrow. And I, something that, you know, really caught my attention. It was obviously from your guy, Warren Sharp. He was talking about how the quarterback production from players after they face the Denver Broncos, yeah. they just like absolutely blow up. And I just looked at that from like a fantasy perspective and, you know, over the last six weeks, you know, looking at the quarterbacks that faced Denver they average 16.6 fantasy points per game. And the next week after they faced Denver and the next team they played, they averaged 27.1 fantasy points per game. So almost 11 fantasy points more per game just because they weren't playing this stalwart Denver defense. And it really like inflated their numbers the following week. So I really think that we're going to see Joe Burrow probably come back down a little bit against a much tougher matchup against the Chiefs, who have been one of the better defenses. They haven't allowed you know, a quarterback to throw for more than 270 passing yards since week five. Justin Herbert's the only quarterback to score over 21 fantasy points against them since week five. So, yeah, I mean, like, I'm going with the Konami code, man. I'm going with Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, this is the time. Go for the upside. <laughs> and you heard it from Andrew and Warren together that Derek Carr is a strong play today. Oh, my God. Like, it's like, it has, it's going to be so weird because, like, everything else says that it shouldn't, like, really work out. But, you know, you have this potential for Sam Ellinger to, like, play quarterback for the Colts, just, like, making it, like, this game is going to be a slog. And then somehow it's going to be, like, Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro, just, like, they're going to connect for, like, 150 receiving yards. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I have one more for you because I've gotten this question too. My, my father-in-law has even reached out to me. Uh, how about the player that people are starting to question this week? How about Kyler Murray? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. You know, Ky- Kyler Murray, I had him ranked up pretty high during the start of the week. And as I did more research into him, I was like, you know, like I don't really love him. I, I still am going to start Kyler Murray over Trey Lance because, again, you are looking at – I mean, Kyler still has the rushing as well. Like that's yeah. what you're, that's kind of his calling card, especially now without DeAndre Hopkins. It's kind of what helped him get there last week. You know, he wasn't great last week against the Colts. He still got there because he was rushing And this game against the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. It's a fierce defense, but you know, betting against the mobile quarterbacks just more often than not doesn't work in your favor because they find a way to, you know, get 40 rushing yards or find the end zone. Like that six point rushing touchdown, like matters so much in a swing. Like you could think that you, were right on saying, oh, you got to bench Cam Newton this week or Kyler Murray. And then 
they get that rushing touchdown. It's like, oh, wow, top 12 quarterback, like that. Like that. So I will still lean towards Kyler Murray. I, so we're safe. I did tell him Kyler. Uh, I said I would stick with him because the rushing. And then, you know, obviously that game has more shootout appeal probably. Uh, also, I mean, just waiting for Cliff to kind of channel in, just not giving Kyler as much. I mean, you look back to that three-game stretch when Kyler and Hopkins were out. You know, Cliff was doing a really good job and creative things to the offense. And it seems like once Kyler and Hopkins came back, like that just stopped. And it's been just relying on Kyler to make plays. Like, go ahead, Kyler, go ahead and do it. Uh, and they've gotten away from some scheme scheme stuff that was really good over that stretch that we were hoping was going to continue and getting some of more of the full field assets that they have available to them talent-wise on the field. I mean, you can't just plug Antoine Wesley into DeAndre Hopkins' role and say, here you go, Kyler. Like, this is the, run the, keep running this. Uh, so hopefully, you know, Cliff has something because they're going to need it against this hot Dallas defense, um, especially, you know, with the, they just got just absolute guys that are missiles like defensively, they're moving downhill. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a hot game to watch. Uh, one of the things that I, I have going on this week, and I think a lot of people do, too, because in my Sunday chats, I always get this, too. But I had a TJ Hawkinson team that ended up making it still. I'm still alive. I've been kind of plugging tight ends. And not everyone has is here because of Mark Andrews. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Uh, and you may have even knocked your Kittle team out of the league last last week, you know, with the performance he had. So if we still are, are fishing at tight end, I mean, are there any tight ends left out here in the majority of leagues that we, we can turn and kind of go to this week that uh, some gamers might be looking at? Yeah, so I think that the my favorite one, and he's probably only available in like probably more shallow leagues. So I, I do think that Gerald Everett is, is a really good option. He's facing the Lions this week, third most fantasy points per game allowed to tight ends over the last four weeks. And he's got good involvement from Russ. Like he's had a solid target share ever since Russell Wilson came back from his injury. Week 16, four or five targets for 68 yards and a touchdown. Ran around on 84% of Russell Wilson's dropbacks, which is really high-end usage for a tight end. So I think Everett's definitely the best play that you could look for. Foster Moreau makes a lot of sense as well. Mm -hmm. I know that Moreau, like, you know, we all put him on this pedestal thinking he was going to be like Darren Waller 2.0. You know, you know, he was like 40% rostered in DFS for one week when he was like under 3K. And obviously he, you know, didn't fire. It took a couple of weeks, but no, he's getting more involved over the last couple of weeks. The Colts have been one of the worst defenses in terms of guarding the tight end position. So I think Foster Moreau, especially now that Darren Waller is officially out, you know, placed on injured reserve, Foster Moreau. I expect to be Renfro and Foster Moreau that really do a lot of damage against this Colts zone defense. So yeah, I mean, Derek Carr double stacks with Moreau and Hunter Renfro <laughs> seems like the move. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I had Moreau on my short list and now that you brought in the, the Denver corollary too, uh, into Derek Carr's question, I feel even better. So, <laughs> and then, so I'm actually in one, so in one of my leagues and I'm in the championship as well, I had Hawkinson and you no know, last week I had the faith to stream Revan Jordan. Um, mm -hmm. who's kind of taken over as the lead tight end pass catcher for the Houston Texans, you know, basically relegating Jordan Akins to, you know, backup duties running around on 60% of dropbacks. Now the matchup is sucks against the 49ers is really bad matchup. So he's really more of a desperation play. And ultimately who I ended up switching him out for was Josiah Degora for the green Bay Packers. Now he's been running the most routes for green Bay over the last couple of weeks, running around 60% of Aaron Rodgers dropbacks. Now the targets really haven't been there, but you know, what could be his saving grace is Mercedes Lewis has been placed on the COVID list. So you remove one of these other backup tight ends. We could see Jose Degora have a larger role and he's attached to Aaron Rodgers. Like I, I think that in itself is worth like, Hey, like I have these fringy tight end, like who has the best chance of catching a touchdown. It's like, you can go with Josiah DeGora. You can go with Cameron Brait. Like guys that are just attached to future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, and then another guy that's kind of like injury caveat would be Mo Ali Cox. Like Jack Doyle is banged up. Mo Ali Cox ran around on 76% of Carson Wentz dropbacks last Saturday, and he gets the Raiders. Fourth worst in fantasy points per game allowed to tight ends this season. And we know Mo Ali Cox is talented. Like if you look at yards per route run oh, from yeah. PFF, like he always ranks very highly in that because he just, <laughs> the guy doesn't run a lot of routes. <laughs> so that's his issue. But if there's no Jack Doyle, we only get him and Kyle Granson as the tight ends. Maybe if we get Carson Wentz back, hopefully, and not Sam Ellinger, we could see Mo Alley Cox make some noise in the fantasy championship. 
we've been chasing that Molly Cox breakout. Uh, <laughs> there, there was a little tease earlier in the season where he caught like touchdowns, I think, in like two or three straight games. It was like, oh, it's happening. And then Frank Reich like, came out and said, yeah, we're going to give him the football. And then he literally like just didn't even catch a pass like for the next like few games. <laughs> they were like, oh, damn it. Like, because we, we've been chasing that Molly Cox breakout. One of those uh, oh, ex basketball player kind of guys that we've been stashed on dynasty rosters in the back end. But uh, yeah, I, I like those calls as well. So, options for people if they're out there fishing still. Uh, the people that did get there with Mark Andrews, uh, I'm also one of those too. I'm going to humble brag on that too. Uh, but, uh, you know, we seen a video yesterday of Lamar on the, the Bermuda grass uh, that looks <laughs> like they're playing on a moon, um, limping around. Thursday, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. He did not practice today. Um, so, I mean, do we are, we, are we more cautious on Mark Andrews? So we're going to play him regardless, but uh, would, do we just really want to see, you know, a non-Lamar Jackson quarterback basically is what I'm, I'm getting at. Uh, under center this week. I think so. I mean, you look at what he's been able to do with, you know, not just Tyler Huntley, but even Josh Johnson last week. So he has more hundred yard games with backup quarterbacks than he does Lamar Jackson. He has two with Lamar and he has three with the combination of Josh Johnson and Tyler Huntley, which have happened over the last three games that he's played. So he has at least a hundred yards receiving in three straight games, at least 10 targets and three straight. And it's not like Marquise Brown is not seeing targets. I mean, he's seeing targets too. Like he has like a 24% target share over the last four weeks. So there's really no reason to think that Andrew's target share is going away in any way, shape or form. It can only really go down. I would say if Lamar Jackson were to come back, I think Lamar probably has a better connect or he's shown to have a better connection with Marquise Brown than some of these other backup quarterbacks who just are leaning on Mark Andrews as their go-to guy, no matter what. So yeah, I think that unless we see like it'd be kind of interesting to see if the Rams try to match up Jalen Ramsey mm-hmm. against Mark Andrews. I'd be really interested to see if they end up doing, it. I know they used to do that or Ramsey had matched up, you know, getting back to my Patriots fandom, you know, he used to cover Gronk when he used to play on Jacksonville. I remember in AFC championship games where Jalen Ramsey would be on Rob Gronkowski. So it will be interesting to see if the Rams try to deploy that type of strategy against Mark Andrews, who does line up a lot in the slot. So ultimately though i mean huntley seems like he is healthier he can move around and against a pretty fierce rams front like you need a guy that can move like if lamar's limping out there like i don't think they're going to stand a chance and lamar had been struggling before his injury as well so both of these other ravens back quarters have been able to get it done at least for fantasy purposes and that's what we want the most so yeah let's let huntley cook yeah, I mean, those both those guys, even Josh Johnson last week, they've been so much better in the quick game and the short area game. That's what's really allowed Mark Andrews to kind of uh, get these ceiling games because, you know, he was a big play guy with Lamar and he was always a touchdown uh, any week type score. And he was, he was having a good year before Lamar Jackson got hurt. But when you're able to get like a lot more of those efficient freebie type targets, like that's how you go from having like six for 80 and a touchdown to having these 11 and 10 catch games. And on throws up to 10 air yards, 96% of his targets have been catchable the past three weeks from those from Huntley and Josh Johnson, whereas just 76% of those were from Lamar Jackson. So he's getting those efficient like baseline looks that, that really kind of just give you a lot of like, you know, frosting on, on the cake uh, and have those big fantasy games. I'm very curious too about the Jalen Ramsey thing, because, you know, he basically plays that star position, that sub linebacker position that's already was going to inherently be in that area of the field are with Mark Andrews. So I'm very curious to see how that plays out as well. Uh, Huntley coming off of COVID too. uh, That's been kind of like a hot topic, especially with now the COVID period getting reduced to five days. And we saw with Tyreek Hill last week, Miles Gaskin a couple weeks ago, Amari Cooper on the Thursday night game. I mean, this impacts everybody differently. We've got Austin Eckler and Dalvin Cook coming off the COVID list. Obviously no one's going to really bench those guys, but do you have any trepidation and, and kind of like, maybe not expecting ceiling performances from those guys. Yeah, man, it's, it's tough with this. I know, uh, I think the most, the most critical one that I heard was Alan Robinson. I'm talking about how he lost mm-hmm. like 10 pounds um, during his COVID. Cause he was on the, he was on the reserve list for, you know, weeks. So it's definitely concerning. I think I'm more concerned, probably more with Austin Eckler, just because he doesn't have nearly as great a role as Dalvin cook does. You know, when Dalvin cook is, you know, active and up, like he's the every down back. Like we don't, we don't worry about him coming off the field where, you know, Austin Eckler's snaps touches had been kind of winding down a little because the chargers are smart, but they're trying Mm -hmm. to use their players in the right way to not kill their guys and not waste Austin Eckler because there's a team that has playoff aspirations. Like they want to make sure they get into the playoffs. And now Eckler makes up for that because 
the touches he does get are, you know, high value. He gets receptions, he gets the targets in the red zone, the touches in the red zone. But even before, you know, he missed his last game, you know, Justin Jackson had outsnapped him 62 to 60. Like Justin Jackson had a role. And I mean, considering how well Justin Jackson played against the Houston Texans, I can't imagine like, all right, well, we'll get this guy off the field, Eckler 100% snap share, which he wasn't really ever doing anyway. So, I mean, if Eckler is now has a conditioning issue, I could see more concern with Eckler splitting even more snaps potentially a la like an Aaron Jones kind of AJ Dillon kind of split where you're going to see a lot of Justin Jackson, probably more than you're probably comfortable with um, against a pretty good Denver defense. So I think that Eckler, I'm a little bit lower on, on the consensus. I think I'm an RB 10 this week. I think he's like ranked as like the top five by um, ECR. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Cook, I guess not as much. I mean, if he's out there, they've just always been like, we're going to feed cook. Like no matter what, like he had that shoulder thing that came back with the harness and he, you know, rushed for like 200 rushing yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday. So I would probably feel more confident in him. I just know that he's probably going to get more of the work anyway. I love that you brought up the coaching staffs in here too, because we've seen the Vikings be aggressive with their players uh, over the last few seasons of players coming back from injury. And we saw that with Adam Thielen last week as well, right? Not, not as cautious. He ends up re-injuring the ankle. We saw Dalvin Cook come back two weeks ago, basically full workload uh, in a game where Alexander Madison was available and they were, were winning by a lot during the game, uh, you know, and, and, and basically is the full lot of snaps, but like Brandon Staley has definitely shown more of a, uh, a caution and trepidation, giving more guys time off during the week. And the other thing too, is like Justin Jackson's been legitimately good uh, the past two weeks. He was, cause even in the Thursday night game where Eckler was limited, like he was excellent in that game as well. So definitely something to consider too, with the staffs. I mean, the Vikings are definitely a little more aggressive in that regard than the chargers are. Uh, so I definitely like that brought up as well. Uh, we have another running back coming back, not from COVID, but coming back from a four week injury. And we, last time we saw Deandre Swift was Thanksgiving the Lions are in like a lost season here, uh, but looks like he's going to be back on the field. I mean, how are we tr- handling DeAndre Swift this week uh, if we've got him? Uh, I'm actually facing someone that has DeAndre Swift, so I'm curious to see how he handles it as well because uh, I don't really know. I don't really know, one, why he's playing, and then, you know, why well, get he's a football player. He's, he's going to want to play, but why the staff is putting this position, do you think that he'll just go out and have the workload he had this week that he had previously? Yeah, this is this is the uh, the loaded question everybody yeah. wants to know because we're all trying to figure it out. You know, like someone messaged me, you know, text me, he's like, "Hey, like I have Deontay Johnson, Joe Mixon, and DeAndre Swift. I'm thinking about going with Deontay Johnson and DeAndre Swift." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Dude, like Mixon is touching the ball 25 times per game. Like I I cannot bench that ever, even for a guy like Swift. No, not knowing what his workload's going to be. Now I know the coaches are saying all the right things, and he's going to have his full workload or whatever they're saying. And you know, the matchup is really perfect for DeAndre Swift's skill set. Like they're playing the Seahawks who second most fantasy points led running backs, but it's all through receiving. Like mm-hmm. that's what they're giving up. They're actually second best in terms of yards per rushing attempt allowed this season, you know, second only to the New Orleans Saints. So they looked at this team's like, you can run them all over. It's like, no, like they just give up so many receptions and receiving yards targets to the running back position. That's that's Swift's bread and butter. Now the issue is, okay, kind of like what's happened with Antonio Gibson over the last couple of weeks. Okay. Like if this team just like falls out of the game entirely, they just take him out. Like it doesn't even matter that Gibson has this pass catching role without JD McKissick because the game is not even close anymore. Like it's over. And that's always, you know, subject to happen with the lions team that just isn't very good. Most weeks, Jared Goff is back on the injury report with a knee injury. So are we going to get, you know, the Tim Boyle experience again? Like, Yes, it worked last week with the Monroe St. Brown. Like, do we want to roll the dice again with Tim Boyle? Like, is it... <laughs> so again, he's also playing, not playing the Atlanta Falcons. So yeah, there are, I mean, he's a high risk, high reward play. I, I would say, you know, DeAndre Swift or like a Saquon Barkley. I mean, I've seen enough of Saquon Barkley this year to be like, you know, the upside just isn't there. Where the Giants Swift, in general. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, it's like the Jaguars, like you don't play guys on these teams. At least Swift has shown like the talent. And I always try to lean on something, you know, last week when people were hesitant about A.J. Brown, I was like, you know what? You start good players, good things happen. I, I know DeAndre Swift is a good player. So in most cases, you know, I will be trying to start him in this lineup or in my lineup, but not over other good players that I know are set up very, very well, guys that have been locked and loaded. And, and that's where Swift has been most of the year. I, I wouldn't say that I would put him into that category, though. Uh, so like, if are you going to elevate him over like a guy we mentioned, like Devin Singletary, for example, or no? I think it goes to, I think I'd probably take him over a Devin Singletary. I think that I would probably take him over the tier of running backs for the most part that we talked about. 
I think I'd probably still play, you know, Ronald Jones. I'd probably still play over him just because I think the matchup is really good. Um, but like him or like Rashad Penny, I think I'd probably take DeAndre Swift. I'd probably play Daryl Williams over Swift. Sony Michelle, I'd probably play over Swift, but I'd probably play him over Boston Scott, Singletary, those guys. So kind of in the middle of some okay. of those players. Um, but I really think it's a, a risk tolerance thing. And I know that we, you know, I think it's still important to look at matchups, especially in your fantasy championship. Look at what your opponent's doing. You know, that's something I did last week because, you know, I had, you know, Damian Harris, but I also had, you know, T Higgins and Jalen Waddle and Zeke. I had a really stacked team. I was like trying to figure out, I had to sit somebody. It was like, you know what? I'm going to sit Damian Harris because he's coming off this hamstring injury. Because like, if he pulls it, like he could get zero points. I can't afford that because my opponent had played James Conner on that Saturday. Like he never took him out of his lineup. So I already had like a leg up. So I was like, you know, I can take a risk or try to play it safe a little bit more and not play this guy. Obviously Harris had a great game, but you know that didn't hurt my team in the long run because, you know, if it had worked the other way where he re-injures his hamstring, gets zero points. I didn't need to take that risk because someone, my opponent had already done it for me by taking a zero with one of his players. So, I mean, if you're a huge underdog, yeah, you got to play swift. You got to chase that upside with the matchup against the Seahawks. But I mean, if you're the number one seed and you've been cooking, like you're getting swift back as like a luxury, like, no, like I don't think it's necessary today. You need to play him. One of the guys you kind of hit on that we didn't put into that tier but you've kind of talked about a couple of times in passing is Dari Ugubawale. And listen, running back touches, uh, we all need them somewhere. But I mean, do you, do you have any faith here? Uh, or are we literally just kind of, you know, is this like the, uh, a Rex Burkheadian situation where it's like, you know, maybe you run into a few games, but probably not. Yeah, it's, it's tough because, you know, I think I ranked him, you know, initially like RB28. and was like right in line with ECR. So I was like, all right, cool. Like this will work. Like I'll, I'll leave him in RB28. This seems kind of, this seems kind of fine, but I mean, like, you don't need to play a Jaguars running back. Like nothing really ever <laughs> works out when you play guys from the Jaguars, the Giants, like just these Jets, like just these bad teams. Like we get that, you know, he had the role last week, you know, very efficient, 83% of the snap. I mean, I wouldn't even say actually efficient. He wasn't efficient. You know, he got volume, you know, 19 touches for 72 yards and a touchdown. We've seen him work in a receiving role in the past, you know, whether it was in Tampa Bay, whether it was last year, he had seven targets in a week 17 spot start 18 touches for 72 yards again he just seems like a guy gets 18 touches in 72 yards like, like that's what you're gonna get from daria amugawale so i think in most cases yes if i have to play like an rb2 i would probably plug him in but I- i'm not trying to flex dare over a wide receiver like i'm playing van jefferson over Dari. i'm playing mm-hmm. a lot of these wide receivers i mean i would even consider like you know even like a laquan treadwell like a guy that has been consistent every single week i don't expect jc jackson to cover him I mean, if you're just looking for targets, okay, like probably Treadwell probably has a better chance of actually getting there as a receiver. I, I, I think that you want to view Dare as just kind of like one of these receiving options. Like that's why you're playing him. You're not playing him because you think he's going to score two rushing touchdowns and get all these all this early down work. Like that doesn't matter. As we talked about, you, know, you want the PPR upside. So if you have a receiver that you think can just be heavily involved in their passing game, just play him instead of Dare, who you're just hoping catches like four passes for 40 yards and maybe scores a touchdown. You, you kind of mentioned a couple of times about maybe there's a, a path here to where Rashad Penny fails that exists. Uh, there, are, are, does that equal uh, balance out to where maybe you have a little more upside for a guy like Russell Wilson uh, this week who's been – he hasn't been bad uh, the last month, but he also hasn't like been like amazing either, giving you like a high ceiling. I think we've already established that you would go Lance over Wilson. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But how much faith do you have in Russell Wilson if you weren't able to get a guy like Trey Lance this week off of waivers? Yeah, I think that I still would probably play Lance over Russell. I mean, Russell Wilson has seen his rushing just like totally disappear this year. You know, it's been one of his worst rushing years of his career, just not running around nearly as much. Don't know if that's just because the offense in general is just terrible. They're not running. I mean, they're just so slow paced, just not an exciting offense. It's so dysfunctional. That's why, you know, DFS, I mean, I'm out here touting the Lions DST because like they're playing the Seahawks and there's not an exciting offense. Russ gets sacked a lot. So I, I do think that though Russell Wilson, I think that he's still fine. I think I have ranked as QB 12 this week. So I still will probably play him in most cases, but if I, if Trey Lance is out there on the waiver wire, like, yeah, I'm trying to pick up Trey Lance and, and start him over Wilson. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a, a, a curious game to see what hits it in that Seahawks game. You never know what receiver is going to go off for them. If Russ no, so, there. so me and uh, so one of my coworkers at PFF, Jared Evans, and we always talk about, you know, yep. you can always tell if it's going to be DK Metcalf game or a tire locker game based on whoever gets the first target. 
like whoever gets the number one targets always like oh here we go like lock a game so like you immediately know like in dfs if you play the right one based on the first target always get the messages from jared be like oh block it got the first target here we go big game coming ahead yeah last week metcalf got the got the lot they did nothing the rest of the game but you know, <laughs> finally got there for everybody that had been chasing that dk metcalf touchdown you got it but there's no yards or anything else afterwards which was still a factory of sadness but uh two two questions here before i get you out of here uh do you have a do you have a bounce back player of the week here uh that maybe wasn't as good last week but you survived and you maybe someone's like oh no he, he let me down do i go back to him uh do you have one of those guys for us yeah, I think uh, Matthew Stafford is definitely someone that, you know, maybe people are thinking about starting Trey Lance over Matthew Stafford after he just totally nuked lineups last week. But I would still play Matthew Stafford. I mean, this Ravens secondary, we've talked about it already, you know, totally decimated. And interesting about Matthew Stafford is he's actually really bounced back really well after poor outings. So any week he's finished as QB 17 or worse this season, he's finished the following week as a top five fantasy quarterback. And I mean, this looks like the perfect spot. It's the Ravens, most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks over the last four weeks. And, you know, it, it's weird how the Ravens just continue to run like all this man coverage when they don't have the, the, the personnel to do so. They just keep doing it. Yeah. And Stafford is PFF's third highest graded quarterback versus man coverage this year. So I, I really think that he's set up for success. I already talked about Jefferson, OBJ. Like you want these Rams in your lineups across the board. Yeah, I like that. I really like Gronk this week too, as a guy that has oh, yeah. last two weeks as a, a bouncer. Obviously, people are still playing Gronk. I doubt anyone's going to the stream for him if they survive. And then uh, the last one here, I mean, do, do you have a, a star player, or even D, you can even spin this as DFS chalk that you just think is like bad chalk or a guy that's going to let down this week? Preferably one that's not one of those running backs that we kind of talked about earlier. Yeah, it's it's weird because I like have him kind of like grouped into those running backs, and it's Antonio Gibson. Like I just, he's not healthy. Like he, mm-hmm. I think he mispracticed uh, here on Thursday and, you know, we're seeing the great usage from him. You know, McKissick is hurt. So, you know, he's running all the routes out of the backfield, but it's become a point where like the football team offense is turning into the Jaguars, the Jets, the Giants, and Gibson is ultimately getting like hurt significantly because of it. Like they're not they're getting blown out by the Cowboys, you know, twice in the last couple of weeks. And so even though Gibson should be game skip proof, you know, because he has that receiving role, it's not really transpiring because the football team is just so inefficient on offense. That doesn't even necessarily matter. So he's doing enough to get you, but like, it's just not been nearly as exciting. It's like, you know, we wanted to get him the receiving role at any cost and he finally got it. And they're like, this is what happened. Like, this was the result. It's like took the entire offense just totally turning into nothing for it to happen. So not the way we planned that out when we uh, wanted Antonio Gibson to become the next Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, the last like three weeks where I've ranked Terry McLaurin has been just so sad. Oh, like, it's, no, it's so bad. It's, it's just hurt my soul every time I, where I put him. It just, it's so rough. Uh, that team is definitely circling the drain. And so what's funny is, you know, people were like, thought they like had a playoff run on them like literally three weeks ago before they were going to that Dallas game. And it's just completely dead. And they might not <laughs> even score a point. It feels like the rest of the season, they will score another point. But uh, that's rough out there. Yeah, I mean, that, hopefully that covers a, a most of the ground here for any type of questions or like lineup consideration people might be having. You can definitely spin all that stuff into, into DFS this week as well. Uh, one of the largest main slates, we've only got two left uh, this season. And then next week gets weird because you never know who's going to play or not. But uh, the NFL is setting up this year to where like there aren't going to be a lot of rest situations, it looks like on the surface. But we'll see. We'll deal with that when we get there next week. Well, something uh, <laughs> I need to do better of, which I, I didn't do enough last year, I think was like the like contract incentive things or, yeah. you know, players that are trying to hit records. Like, you know, Kyle Pitts is approaching, you know, the rookie tight end record. So I'm interested to kind of see if, I mean, this week is obviously really tough again, going on the road against Buffalo. Like I, I really don't know how many yards, you know, I think I, they should pepper Kyle Pitts with targets, but you know, if he has like a bad game, is it like next week? It's like, all right. Matt Ryan dropped back and was throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts till he breaks the rookie receiving record for tight end. So that's something too, that will be interesting. Like in my write-ups, I'm doing my right. Like, you know, this guy needs to break a thousand yards. Like how many yards does he need? You know, this guy needs this contract. I know last year, Antonio Brown had that game where, you know, Brady just targets him anyway, but Brady was just like ripping targets to Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. So he could get like an extra million dollars uh, in his contract. We saw that with uh, Michael Thomas a few years ago too, like in a meaningless game was just like out here getting like targets to set the record. AB has like bonuses coming for like yards, receptions and touchdowns too. So it's real curious to see 
what goes there. We've got Cooper Cup chasing, you know, a record. And, you know, everyone that's upset too that the, the saying that like none of these records count because they went to an extra game. I mean, there used to be 12 and 14 game seasons too. Like just give it another year and like all the another couple of years and this stuff will pass and everyone will forget about it. And it doesn't diminish any of the seasons that like, those guys had. Like if Cooper Cup ends up breaking Calvin Johnson's like record, like so so be it. Like it doesn't make it doesn't mean that that season that Calvin Johnson had was any worse. Like, you know, or like, you know, OJ Simpson running for 2000 yards in 14 games or Jerry Rice catching 22 touchdown passes in 12 games. Like those still happened. Uh, no one needs to be upset by it. Uh, you know, the, the NFL added another game for us. They'll probably add another one at some point to down the line for us. Uh, hopefully I'm out of the industry by then and we're not <laughs> writing up 20 game football seasons. But uh, yeah, don't be too upset by it. Enjoy it. It's arbitrary. I mean, it, and, and no one's getting there cheaply anyways. Like Cooper Cup. You can't take anything away from his season. Like you can't, the season's been amazing wire to wire. So just enjoy the ride and have fun with it. Uh, But yeah, that puts a pretty much a bow on it. Uh, You know, definitely appreciate you taking the time, Andrew. Let the people know uh, where they can find you and your work uh, out there in Twitter. Yeah. And anywhere else you are. (laughs) Yeah. My, uh, my Twitter handle is at Andrew Erickson underscore. I'm actually also on TikTok trying to bring the, the fantasy football knowledge to the TikTok streets. I'm also there at Andrew Erickson underscore. And yes, all my work can be found over at PFF.com. We're actually running a promo right now. 50% off any PFF elite subscription. Use promo code elite up, but hurry. The offer expires in the new year. So get on that and get access to all the premium data that I talked about, you know, end zone targets, air yards, access to the articles. And just, it's a lot of useful information, especially if you want to do some of the digging yourself. Um, it's really helpful to get access to the data that they have at PFF. Yeah, absolutely. Encourage anyone to take advantage of that. Absolutely. Get on that train. Uh, definitely appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, again, I uh, hope, wish everyone good luck in their fantasy title games. Hopefully you hit those cash lines in DFS, your bets all hit. And we'll be back not only in for the final week of week 18, but in a new year as well. So good luck, everybody, in week 17.